The Christmas story is both two things at the same time, and we'll see this as we read from the scriptures this afternoon. In one sense, of course, it's the story of it's a small a story of a small a family, just a family in a in a in a small town in ancient Israel. But it is also at the same time the story of something that God has been doing for thousands of years that comes to a head with this small family and with this birth announcement. Let's look at it. If you have a copy of the Bible, open it up. Use the ones at your knees or follow along or on your phones behind me and we'll read this announcement or the one from Luke's Gospel Chapter 1, verses 26 to 38, the birth of Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Now, this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, I think, virtually to to everyone in this room. But it is also, I hope I can stir up your imaginations a little bit, a pretty incredible passage. passage of scripture relative to what it says okay just for a minute think about what it would be like to have been the on the receiving end of this announcement right first of all you get a vision from an angel which seems pretty unbelievable and unusual but then the angel says to you the very first thing that you Mary in this case you know greetings You are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Twice, you are highly favored. I mean, if that's all that happened, as I thought about it myself, if I got a vision from an angel, right, and someone said to me, listen, I'm from God, I'm an angel, but the first thing I want to say to you is, you matter to God, you are highly favored. If that was all that was said to Mary, and a lot more obviously is in here, That would be pretty overwhelming, right? What had she done to receive those words to say, listen, you are very, in God's list of important people or what God cares about, he not only knows about you, Mary, 
uh, but you are highly favored. Of course, on top of that, she's told she's going to um, give birth, right? Not to Joseph's son, the man that she's engaged to, but to God's son, okay? Now, if, if I'm in Mary's shoes, I think if any of us were in Mary's shoes, just thinking about this, it would be a very difficult thing to believe both of those things, right? One, that you mattered to God, that you were highly favored, especially somebody so young. And then, of course, on top of that, you were going to have a child by the Holy Spirit. I mean, Mary, think about it for a minute. She hadn't lived enough life to be highly favored by God, right? If we take a, uh, if, if we believe what we're told about marriage in the ancient Near East, and she's probably a teenager, right? I would be greatly troubled. I mean, she probably lived with her parents. She very likely, you know, I mean, what had she accomplished in her life? I'm sure she helped her mother out around the house, maybe helped her brother with his homework, you know, but at 15 or 16 or whatever you are in this situation, that's the best estimate. You know, the trophy case of life's accomplishments are generally pretty empty, right? You are highly favored. So the first thing that strikes me in this passage, maybe you, whether you're a long-term Christian or not, is the promises of God are hard to believe, right? The promises of God are hard to believe or not always easy to believe. Whatever it is that God might say to you, whatever it is that God might say to me, whatever it is that the Bible has to say, even as we consider the message of Christmas, we, didn't, we only read a few verses in the book of Luke, but if you read the entire chapter of Luke chapter 1, very famous passage, especially in Christmas time, there's only two things here in the entire chapter. There's two birth announcements, and one is John the Baptist, uh, Elizabeth, she's mentioned, Mary's cousin or relative, six months previous, and the announcement about the birth of Jesus, as it turns out, the Messiah, the Son of God. Two announcements, two birth announcements, to these two families in, in, in Israel, and both by the, Gabriel, the angel named Gabriel. So a lot of similarities, but the striking difference of these two announcements, I'm sure on purpose, is the more important announcement, the one that's loaded, we didn't go over them all, with some pretty heavy-duty, thousand-year-old prophecies, is not given to the experienced priest, Right, Zechariah would understand some of these ancient prophecies about David and about Jacob and about a virgin birth. But it's given to um, Mary, a teenage girl, as far as we know. It's, you know, who knows? We'll never know. But, you know, if Mary even had ever even heard of the prophecy in Isaiah about a virgin birth, 700 years years before the Lord himself will give you a sign a virgin shall conceive and have a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel but even if Mary did know that right maybe she maybe her parents were uh, taught her these things but even if she knew that right still 
right? Whoever thinks it's going to be you. Even if she knew that, here's what the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah 7 doesn't say. It doesn't say how this is supposed to happen, right? It just says a virgin shall conceive some point in time and bring forth a son, so we know the sex of the child, and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, okay? Doesn't say how, but Mary gets here in this famous passage, right? She gets what most of us don't get in our relationship with God. That is the specifics, right? How is, she says, Mary says to the angel, I'm a virgin, you know? She's smart enough to understand what's being said. You're gonna have a baby, right? She's engaged, she's sexually inexperienced. She's, she's not a married woman. She says, how is this gonna be? I'm a virgin. And he says, well, this, in this case, I'm gonna tell you how it's gonna happen. The Holy Spirit will come on you, etc. This will be the Son of God. It's going to be a miracle. So Mary gets what we don't get. But even if God told you or told me, right, how he was going to do something significant in your life, how he was going to do something amazing in your life, maybe fix your broken marriage or fix your broken heart or whatever, Right? Even if God said, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it, when you or I said, well, listen, what gives? How is that going to happen, that you're going to fix this thing in my life? You're going to do this amazing thing in my life, right? You'd still have to believe that it's true, right? This doesn't happen overnight, right? You still have to somehow find the wherewithal to believe what it said, which is why I'm sure the angel, right? He's not done yet, or she's not done yet, whatever you call angels, right? Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. This is part of what she said. She who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. The angel says, listen, I get that this is hard to believe, but see, God's going to bake in something in this situation. I'm going to let you, Elizabeth was her relative. This is a very small community. It was the talk of the town, I believe, my sense is, that Elizabeth, who the scriptures we didn't read it, went on to tell you, is very old, making a point in chapter one, okay? She's way past years of having a child as part of her story. I'm sure it was the talk of the town that cousin Elizabeth, after all these years of never having, you know, this and that experience and raising a child, was pregnant. And the reason she was pregnant was because of the promise that was made to her. Mary would have known that. The same thing that's happening here, right? Mary says, how will this be? Well, think about Elizabeth because, verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail, right? No word of God will ever fail. In other words, God keeps his promises, okay? Most people don't. I don't always keep my promises. You probably don't always keep your promises. Maybe the close people in your life don't keep your promises. Maybe the pastor you used to hang out with when you were in a different church didn't always keep his promises. People don't always keep their promises. But God does keep his promises, 
you know, Rob Murphy, who I've gotten to know in that video, you know, dismissed his Uncle Jerry's many attempts to talk to him about God's love because Rob knew something about himself. He knew uh, that he didn't deserve God's love, right? God's promises are hard to believe. He said in that video, I didn't want to be saved ultimately from the consequences of my actions. I didn't want to be saved from prison. I wanted to be saved from the person that I had become, okay? But let me say something. Mary, right? We don't know. We, we, we have to sort of take her out of our collective imagination of, of a thousand years of, of the Christmas story. Um, Mary, Mary was too young to have, you know, committed some crimes. Mary was too young to have a, a storied past. But Mary didn't deserve God's love either, right? There was nothing about her that would deserve God's love any more than Rob or you and me. She was God's choice, not because of anything she had done, but because of what God had done and what he had said. What changed Rob's life, listen, what changed my life, is he came to a place where he decided he was going to believe in the promise of God, listen, in spite of his imperfect life, right? And it, with the hopes of getting a new life. You know, the, the defining moment for Mary, the mother of Jesus, in this passage, it's not the virgin birth, which is certainly what we know her for. That's an amazing thing. But the defining moment for Mary, the mother of Jesus, was not the birth of the baby. It was her humble acceptance of the promise. How can this be since I'm a virgin? How can this be since I've lived such a horrible life, Rob might say, or I might say. But the answer is, it's not about you, Mary. It's about who God is and what God has done, right? God sent Jesus into the world to die for our sins. That was the announcement to the angels. It's the next chapter. No one deserves it. You cannot earn it, but you need to claim it. You need to believe it. Look what Mary says. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. Now watch this. May your word to me be fulfilled, right? May your word to me be fulfilled. If you do that, you will discover that the promises of God are deeply satisfying, right? Yeah, they're hard to believe. But the promises of God are deeply satisfying. Listen to these words right after the ones we read. Mary gets this word. She goes 
to Elizabeth naturally. Who else, right? I mean, Elizabeth was the talk of the town for six months. There's this amazing, unbelievable woman who was, you know, it was said of her. She who was unable to conceive. That was almost her nickname, right? She who was unable to conceive is had a a vision from God, a messenger. She's going to have a baby. Mary says, well, wow, I just had one of those. And she goes to Elizabeth. They have a conversation, verse 45. Elizabeth says to her cousin, I guess, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. This is what's hard, right? God's not asking you to climb a mountain. God's not asking you or me to change your life. God isn't asking you to do something you can't do. He's asking you to believe something that he says about you that feels unbelievable to you or to me. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fill her promise. Now watch what Mary says. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit, right? The promises of God are deeply satisfying. Rejoices in God, circle it, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those, watch this, who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary needed, like Rob Murphy needed, like I needed, like you need, a savior. She was chosen because of her humility, not her morality, to become the person who would birth the Son of God into the world. But let me say this. There's only one virgin birth, as far as I know. I don't know if it's ever claimed outside of Mary that I know of a virgin birth. The Bible only speaks of one virgin birth. But the Christian life, right? What is the Christmas message? Is about God's life being birthed in you. That's the whole point of the Christian life. And I would say this. I talk to people all the time, maybe because of a pastor. I mean, all kinds of people, relatives, friends, neighbors, you know, about the things of God. And I have heard probably every reason of why somebody would not believe, right? I mean, I probably haven't heard every, but I think I've heard the top 10 or top 20 reasons of why people would say, thank you, but no thank you, but my my, my sense in listening to all of those stories is that the reason, below all of those reasons, for most people who say no is their pride, right? An unwillingness to acknowledge their own sin. An unwillingness or perhaps to believe that despite their sin, 
God highly favors them, right? Right? That what's said of Mary is said of every single person that's ever lived. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Certainly, we would include ourselves in that statement for the world. 5,000 years later, or excuse me, in, 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 uh, in the, it's not 5,000 years later, at the, at the great miracle of Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000, you know, Jesus came and he, he did something. It's the most, most well-known miracle in the Bible. It's the only one that's found in all four Gospels. It's sort of a shorthand for the Christian faith, and Jesus performs this miracle. And he feeds all these people, you know, with the loaves and the fishes. And the next day, because this is early on in his ministry, he's sort of not known that well, it says almost the entire community came out to find Jesus. And they followed him all the way over to the other side of the lake. I mean, probably a couple thousands of people, right? Maybe more than 5,000 followed him. And they went to ask him a question, right? This is what they asked him. Then they asked him, this is John chapter 6, what must we do to do the work God requires? They say, Jesus, we got your, you got our attention now, right? We've seen, we've heard you speak the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen you feed thousands of people, and he gives this great bread of life sermon. It's a, he, we've heard you give this amazing story to say, listen, you know, you're, you're looking for the wrong things, you know, Moses gave you, you know, man in the wilderness, but I'm the bread that comes down from heaven. This great sermon, they said, okay, now you have our attention. What must we do to do the works of God? And Jesus answered this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that God has sent, right? To believe in the one that God has sent. That's the work of God. You might say, well, that's too easy, is it? Because see, some of us, what gets in our way is either our pride. Well, ask me to do something. Ask me, to, ask me a hard question. Ask me to achieve something. Ask me to, to demonstrate some kind of virtue or, or wisdom or, or hard work, and then I'll do it. Right? Or I'm, you know, I'd love to take that offer, uh, uh, Rob or friend, but you have no idea the kind of life that I've lived. If you knew half of the things that I have done, you wouldn't ask me if I wanted to have a relationship with God. But Jesus says, listen, the work of God is this. You need to believe in the one he sent. I'm not so sure that God, the message of this amazing prophecy came to a teenager because God wants to make the point, it's not about you. It's not about your wonderful resume or your crappy, broken um, life. It's not about either one of those things, right? It's about what God has done for you and what God has done for me. And the work of God is to believe. My question is this, are you, have you done that? Right? Uh, have you done that? And if you haven't done that, I mean truly believe, right? I'm not saying be, be you know, assent to the fact that there was a guy named Jesus, but truly believe, right? That's what Mary said. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the word of God says this. What is the Christmas message? You, some of you know it. All of us know it. God sent his son into the world, into a manger, ultimately to give his life for your sin. We became, he became sin who knew no sin, Jesus, that you and I and anyone else who's open to it 
might become the righteousness of God in him. But you have to believe it, okay? If you want to do that, if you've never done that and you want to do it, listen, you can do it right now. You can do it right now. Pray with me. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And if you're a Christian here today, just be praying with me um, for others. But if you're someone who would say, listen, you know, Rob, I am, um, I've certainly been to church before, maybe, maybe many times. And I've heard the story of both the birth of Jesus and the death and resurrection of Jesus. But I've never believed those words for myself. I've never said in a manner of speaking, may those words, that promise to me be fulfilled. I've let my pride get in the way. Maybe I've let my, um, my um, you know, uh, sinful life get in the way. Believing I'm not worthy or, 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 of God's love. But I feel open to it today. I feel God is opening himself to me today, offering something to me today. You can do what Rob did, right? One word sermon. What I did, what others did. Simply choose to believe. The work of God is to believe in him whom God has sent. So pray this prayer with me, if you would. You can just pray this prayer quietly in your own seat, um, in your own heart, that is. God and Father in in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for my sin and to offer new life. My heart is open. My life is yours. May your word to me be fulfilled. I love you back and desire to follow you the rest of my life. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. If you prayed that prayer, I would just encourage you to raise your hand right where you sit. Just so I can see it. No one else can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Just where you sit. Up high. Just put it up high and then set it down. Thank you. God and Father, be with these friends. Be with us all as we seek to experience the birth of Jesus in our lives. We love you and we thank you and we ask you to be here now with us as we celebrate and as we sing in Jesus' name, amen.